Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Begin transmission in three, two, one. This is Naked Astronomy. Each month, I strip down interesting developments in the world of space. In a quest to find out what's really going on out there. I'm Greer Jackson, and on this fine month, I won a meteorite. Well, when I say me, I actually mean my colleague, Connie. Hello. And I was so intrigued by it, I made it my mission to find out more on this month's Naked Astronomy. First, though, how did Connie come into contact with such a fine space specimen? I'm not going to lie, I've never wanted a meteorite before, but now I have one, I'm incredibly happy. And it's come on quite a journey to get here because we have been waiting in the office for weeks in anticipation of this meteorite. I think I'd say over two months. It's been a long time, long time coming. Yeah. So I won it. It was an incentive to fill in a feedback form and um, I never win anything. And then I got an email like months later, I think probably I'd forgotten about it completely saying I'd won the meteorite. Amazing. (laughs) And so They said it would take a while because they said, we have to order it. And I was like, where from? Do you order it from space? How do you order a meteorite in this day and age? But no, I think they just ordered it from the meteorite store, which apparently exists somewhere. And then it arrived. Um, But I wasn't here. Oh, yeah, that's it. I'd forgotten. So it arrived in a box and me and Georgia were like, the meteorite's here. We sent you a message, didn't we? An instant message pretending to open the package. Yeah, you sent me lots of like pictures. (laughs) One was of actually just a big stone you'd found being like, we got your meteorite. And I was actually really angry. I was like, I shouldn't be, you know, it's just a meteorite. But I was actually, when I thought that potentially you'd opened it without me, I was really angry. But um, I got back and you hadn't. And I guess, so we opened it and it's not very big. I'm holding it now and it's... um, About an inch long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, about an inch long, half an inch wide, kind of bumpy. It's it's black, but with a silver kind of tinge to it when you look at it in the light. And the thing that really strikes you when you when you get this is that it's really, really heavy. Yeah, I'm still shocked. I mean, even though we were pretending to open it, I'm still shocked at... I thought it was packaging, like how heavy that is. I mean, that's maybe a kilo, maybe? You think? It's definitely at least a bag of sugar. So that's how I do my measurements. So it's at least half a kilo. And it's it feels like a visual illusion every time you're holding it, I think. I kind of, because it, it just doesn't match up. But my, my brain is, is thinks something's wrong. And the other thing that it came with is a lovely little sign telling me a bit about it. Dare you pronounce what it says? So, obviously, I'm fluent in Spanish. Um, (laughs) Campo del Cielo. Very good. From Gran Chaco, oh, this is tricky, Gran Chaco Golamba, 
Argentina found, and so this is how I know they didn't order it from space, found in 1576. It's really old. I mean, it's space rock, so it's really old. But it's really old to this world too, which I was thought was quite amazing. And then it's got the kind of what it's made of. And the uh, main thing is iron. And that's why it's so heavy. And probably I should have filled this in by now. But there's an empty box where someone <laughs> didn't know what to do. And it says specimen weight, but it doesn't say the answer. So we can't even tell you. We just have to guess by bags of sugar. Do you know anything more about it? I mean, I'm thinking meteorite, meteorite, comet don't really I'm not entirely sure I know where these things overlap I have no idea I mean, given we've all been so excited none of us have looked anything more into it no not at all I was just excited I was getting a meteorite but actually probably not sure what that is I just know it's space rock of some sort okay it's your birthday soon so I'm going to make it my mission to find out as much as I can about this rock yeah, two weeks. So you've got two weeks to find out. And if you can get some form of certificate, I'll be particularly happy. So, a certificate and as much as there is to know about this lump of space metal as possible. Turns out I just happen to know the perfect person for the job. I, I should have I should have brought some of my Mars and Moon ones in. I keep them at home because they're precious. Yes, she is talking about meteorites from the Moon and Mars that just happened to fall on Earth. And she is Dr Carolyn Crawford, lover of space rock, naturally, but also an astronomer at Cambridge University. We met to compare our rocks. But first things first, what's the difference between a meteor, meteorite and meteoroid, but also a comet and an asteroid? Yeah, it is complicated and astronomers do love our terminology. So you've got lots of lumps of rock, the debris that you said, floating around in the solar system. Now, if it is made of ice, so like a frozen iceberg, five, ten kilometres across, smaller, we tend to call it a comet, even though it might have bits of dirt and dust within it. So comets are the icy bodies. Asteroids are the rocky debris. And we won't talk about things called centaurs, which are half ice, half rock, so they're out beyond... Neptune, we won't worry about them so much. But basically, you've got your asteroids, which are rocky, and you've got your comets, which are icy. Now, a meteoroid is like a tiny asteroid. You're talking from a few microns across to a few metres across in size. So it's just debris, like the asteroids, left over or from fragments from collisions or protoplanets that's been hanging around for billions of years in the solar system and floating around between the planets, around the sun, following their own orbits. Now, as soon as that meteoroid starts to enter Earth's atmosphere, it becomes a meteor. That's what you know as your shooting star. And that's when you see it burning up in the atmosphere. It sort of uh, excites the air molecules. And you get this trail of ionized particles which shine. And you also get the, the lump of rock. Even if it's tiny, it'll still give off amazing amount of light because it's traveling quite fast. Most of them disintegrate in the atmosphere completely. But if they survive to hit the surface of the Earth then they become a meteorite. So that's the distinction. Meteoroid when it's in space, meteor when it's in air, and meteorite when it's sitting on the ground. Simples. Did you bring this meteorite? I did. Okay, let's have a look. See which one you got. <laughs> see how, how, much much do you know? how much do you know about meteorites? Here you okay. go. So, so it's a Nicolan one. Gosh, that's impressive. I was going to bring out the label because I couldn't even remember what it... Suco Talon? No, Eight, so it's not Sikotalin. It's not Compo de Ciela because it's metal rather than... Oh, controversial. 
Oh, it is. <laughs> I'm going to ask you if, how much you can tell me about this, because this is Connie's meteorite that she yeah. won. And other than giving it a quick look up on the internet, we know nothing. This is one of the more common falls. Uh, You've okay. got two very famous falls. You've got the Campo di Cielo. I don't know And this is part of the Sicot Allen fall. I mean, I like this one. You can see how it's just sort of melted as it's fallen through the air. It kind of looks... It's all kind of deformed and uh, ruffled up. I like it particularly. It reminds me of... Do you remember the Futurists, the painters, the Futurists? You know how they had these very choppy, jagged types of paintings? That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Or it just looks like a parrot. If you look at the show, don't you? So, but it, is, it is deformed. I mean, it, it, you look at that and you see a mangled bit of metal and you think, gosh, that, that metal's gone through a lot to get to be that shape. So I think that this is part of the Sikot Allen Fall, which I think... So this fell in the Sikot Allen Mountains in 1947. So this one's much more recent. Your one's much more recent. My one was... Yes, this one, they actually saw the, the fireball through the sky. They saw the meteorite coming in and later found the pieces. Whereas the Campo de Cielo you've got there, we think, fell thousands of years ago, but it was only more recently found. You've mentioned two different types of fall there. Is, is it quite rare for this sort of stuff to fall to Earth or is it quite common? You have stuff coming to the atmosphere the whole time. You've got millions of meteors happening daily. It's just that most of them are tiny, kind of like, you know, a shooting star you can get from just like thing about the size of a grain of sand. Most disintegrate in the atmosphere. But even so, you get a lot that lands on the Earth or in fact falls into the ocean, probably at a rate of about sort of 15 billion kilograms a year. <laughs> There's a huge amount of stuff that is just continually piling onto the Earth. You don't look like you believed me. Well, I was really pleased that we'd won this. And now you're telling me it's not very, I say we, Connie has won this and it's not even that rare. They are rare. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's in terms of volume and mass of the earth, it's, it's minuscule. Also, what you've got there is one of the metal ones. They're the rarer ones. The reason why I ask if it's rare, and I'm glad you said it's rarer, I've got this meteorite for the weekend now. If I was to go away and sell it, what sort of thing, what sort of price does this thing fetch? For the size you've got there, I mean, I would guess about £60 or something. Oh, that's pretty reasonable. It's pretty reasonable. Dinner out? Because now I'm going to keep, you know, realise I'm going to go everywhere I walk, I'm going to have my eyes on the ground looking for these things. You get three basic types. The most common ones are the ones that are rocky. Then you get the iron ones, so that's iron and nickel alloy. And then you get stony iron, which have a mix of the two. This is a rocky one, and, well, we call it stony. And you can see it's sort of got a black crust on the outside. Now, that would have been the outside of the meteorite as it fell through the air. So this is where it's been burnt. We call this the fusion crust because it's where the rock has, has fused effectively under the extreme conditions as it falls through the air. It gives you a bit more of a character. And then this is just a segment, a fragment of the meteorite. And you can see when we open it up, it's, you know, it's much more rocky on the inside of the meteorite again. There's a little tiny bubble of metal there. Oh, yeah. Tiny, like a pinhead. Yeah, but just a little inclusion of mm. the, the, the metal alloys within it. Mm-hmm. This is an example of a stony one that is very nice because, you see, it's got a mottled appearance. I dare I say, a bit like when you see various, you know, sometimes I think when I'm walking down the street and you see all the little bits of rock within, what's it called, pebble dash is what I'm thinking, but in a miniature polished form. Is that a terrible thing to say? Well, 
No, you're you're getting <laughs> you're getting the idea across beautifully. There, it is just speckled, and you've got these almost like little spherical. We call them inclusions, little bubbles of um, dust and sort of carbon material that's held within the silicate base. So, where do these things come from? I mean, I know they're they're space rock, but why do they end up falling here on Earth for people like us to scurry around and collect them? They come from a number of different places, but you're, you're quite right. They're lumps of space rock, or if you like, space metal, that are just floating around there, orbiting around the sun. Now, some of them, especially those rocky, stony ones, are left over from the original solar system formation. So there are bits that just didn't get incorporated into being planets. Or they could be fragments of asteroids. You know, you imagine protoplanets in the early solar system, asteroids now colliding, shattering fragments off. And then you have some which are really exciting. And they're when a meteorite has impacted another planetary body. So it's something like the Moon or Mars or, say, Vesta, the largest asteroid in the asteroid belt. And when the meteorite impacts that body, you send, you know, ejector out. But because things like the Moon, Mars, Vesta don't have so much gravity, not all of it falls back down to the planet. It then goes out into space and starts orbiting the sun and maybe, you know, millions of years later happens to fall on Earth. So some of these meteorites are bits of Mars. They're bits of the Moon or bits of Vesta. Are you about to show me a rock from Mars? Uh, No, this one's a bit of Vesta. Wow. Which is actually surprisingly common. If you look at Vesta, I mean, this is this object that's like 500 kilometres across in the asteroid belt. It looks a bit more like a punctured football. It's got a huge sort of gouge out of the southern pole. And that's we think it underwent a huge collision some time ago in its past. So there are lots of fragments of Vesta around. And this is one here. How do you know that? You know, because of the mineral makeup. I was telling you, you've got all these different origins for different kinds of meteorites. And looking at the mineral... Looking at the mineral... I still can't say looking at the chemical composition of these these rocks and you can tell a lot about whether they're pristine parts of the solar nebula or they come from bodies that have undergone what we call geological differentiation so you've started to have that geological processing the separation out of the metals and the sort of silicate crust so when you hold something like your Campo di Cielo that's completely metal that will have come from the inside of one of these differentiated bodies. So like a, a small asteroid that was forming or a protoplanet that was forming and got before it got smashed. So you've got a bit of the core part of the asteroid there. If you have a a, a lot of the, the stony meteorites are much more of the pristine debris left over from the uh, early solar system. So why is it then that we're interested in things like 67P and we've sent out Rosetta and we've seen Philae land on the comet? Why, though, if all this stuff is falling down on Earth all the time? There's a lot of science you can only do when you're in contact with the astronomical body, like the the cometary nucleus, and that was what was important about the Philae lander. And, of course, you've got to remember comets are mostly ice, not just water ice, but also methane ice and ammonia, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide. If you want to understand the icy part of a comet, you've basically got to go out there. To understand a comet, you've got to go out there, hey? Well, with this in mind, I went out there, specifically to the Royal Society's Summer Science Exhibition, to see what I could sniff out about Rosetta's comet, 67P. So my name's Matt Taylor. I work for the European Space Agency on the Rosetta mission that's gone to a comet and is still there until September. Is that OK? <laughs> that's wonderful. Tell me about the Rosetta mission. What did it set out to do? Rosetta is a mission to a comet 
It set out in 2004, it took 10 years to get to its target comet, and why do we go to comets? We go to comets because we consider them to be representative of the building blocks of the solar system. So by studying a comet, you get an idea of what the conditions were, what the material that went into building the solar system. In fact, there's material that we found from the comet by Rosetta that actually predates the sun. So it's really the primordial soup, the ingredients for that soup, and we get a picture of it by looking at this comet. We sent the spacecraft up in 2004. It chased down the comet over 10 years. 2014, we turned the spacecraft back on because we'd had a time period where we were in hibernation. We caught the comet. We landed on the comet with Philae. And for the last two years, we've been orbiting the comet and measuring various things on the, on, on the comet, looking at its surface structure, how it evolves in time. Because the comet's really interesting in that when it goes past the sun, it becomes very active. There's a lot of ice inside it that throws off tons of gas. And that peaks when you get near the sun and then starts to drop off and move away from the sun. With Rosetta, we sat next to it all this time, observing how that stuff evolves, what the surface does, the surface changes. We think about a metre of the surface has disappeared in the time that we've been at Rosetta, at the comet with Rosetta. And so that's why we're here talking about Rosetta. It's actually coming to an end. By September this year, we're running low on power, data volume as well, getting the data down from the spacecraft. It takes over half an hour for the, for the signal to come from the spacecraft. It's a time to say goodbye to Rosetta and that's in September and we're going to say goodbye by doing something we've always wanted to do and always tried to do is get as close as possible to the comet and we will do that by and we have done that by saying to the engineers we want to crash onto the comet and that enables you to get as close as possible and so that's what we do and September 30th is when we will say goodbye to Rosetta by crashing into the comet. Sounds like a sad day. I think it's going to be a day of mixed emotions. I know, talking to some colleagues who work in the operation solidly, the ones that drive the spacecraft, that's the end of the mission for them. That really is, that's it, the end of. But for us that work on the science side, it's actually the beginning. It's when, although we have been doing science already, it's when you have only time to do science. And that's when we'll be doing the big leaps and bounds and the breakthroughs with Rosetta when we have all that time to do the science and there's decades of work to do on this data So I've heard something rather intriguing in that you can, you've done something here where I can sniff the comet 67P? Yes, there is uh, a number of uh, how can I put it, aromatic compounds on the comet that we thought would be really nice to engage people by saying this is the stuff, like you can visually see the tail and everything but you can't see the gas but you can smell the gas and we have a mass spectrometer on board both Philae and also the orbiter Rosetta. The one on Rosetta has picked up some fantastic stuff. Sulfite compounds, rotten eggs, ammonia are stable. So you can imagine what this comet smells like, but we thought it would be best to provide a scratch and sniff version for people to enjoy. And there have been various reactions to the it's not that bad, to is it a perfume, to a child was nearly vomiting on our monitor earlier on. So yeah. It, it stinks, basically. <laughs> Can, are you going to show me? Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. I can smell something perfumed. It's perfumey, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, somebody's saying it's got incense. This one's actually not as bad. Maybe I'm used to it now, but it's, you know, like I say, it's got hydrogen sulfide, ammonia, formaldehyde, methanol. It was also, the comets also, we detected the comet things like hydrogen... Um, uh, cyanide, but then you wouldn't want to put that on there because you'd sniff almonds and then pass out and probably die. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it another sniff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And somebody's saying incense as well. It although, does smell a little bit like frankincense what it, I'd imagine going into a meditation shop yeah, or something. It's that kind of thing. Some, some kind of hippie head shop, as they're known in the US. I still get mothballs, so it still smells like a nan, basically. That's, it's, yeah, the comet smells like a nan. So I'll do, go generic. There you go. <laughs> so other than, you know, getting a whiff of what a 67P smells like... What would be the best thing to count the outcome here? I mean, surely we're not going to unpick what the entire origins of our universe and solar system are. Well, with Rosetta, we are starting to do that. Really, what we've got from Rosetta by spending the two years there, by going landing with Philae and adding all of this stuff together, we're just starting to scratch on the surface of the capability of the data from this mission to the extent that we think we have identified primordial building blocks in the, in, in the comet that actually are probably common with other comets, that we can say we think we know how comets were made now. And that's quite a big result. And that the implications there lay in with the general solar system evolution. So that's what we have look, to look forward to. So I wouldn't say we've solved everything, but we've done a good job and there's a lot still to do. And I, I'm pretty excited by the science that's going to come out in the next couple of years with Rosetta. We shall just have to wait with bated breath then. Back to the meteorite though. Having carried this around with me for the last few weeks, and no, I didn't flog it for a nice dinner out, I got rather jealous. I want a meteorite. Which left me frantically looking around on the internet on how I could get my hands on one. And I found something on Cambridge University's Institute of Astronomy website. It's a Q&A thing where people can ask a scientist question. And conveniently, Carolyn Crawford also helps out answering these questions. The question reads, Hello there, I was wondering if it's possible to test rocks to see if they're from space. I ask, and this is true, whilst I was gardening today, a rock fell into my wheelbarrow. It sounds crazy, but it did happen. The object is black, looks like coal and is very light, I suppose, pumice. If it didn't fall from the sky, I would say it's a piece of normal earth rock. But as it came from above, I'm very curious. <laughs> I don't remember reading that. What did they say in response? Oh, I, the response was something along the lines of, um, I doubt it very much because they're normally very heavy and, and that sort of thing. But I, I just, it tickled me. I read it and it tickled me to no end that, you know, these things were falling and in people's wheelbarrows or, you know, the idea of it falling in someone's wheelbarrow. A couple of years ago, there was a lovely story of a, a French family who as in the way of the French having their holidays, vacated their house in Paris, went off for their summer holiday. And when they came back, they thought, that's strange, our roof is leaking. And they sent someone up to, to fix the roof. And what they found was that the hole in the roof was created by a little meteorite that had just punched a hole through the tile and got embedded in their sort of insulation in the roof. So they had their own little meteorite that had hit their roof. I think that's wow. quite cool. Yeah, really cool, really cool. I imagine lots of people have got lots of interesting stories about how they've come into I mean. I mean, I was really excited by ours, but I suppose it's not the most exciting way to come across a meteorite. No, the most exciting thing is when you actually see the event, you see the fireball. And a fireball is just when you've got a, a bigger lump of rock that as it disintegrates, it produces a lot more light. And often they will just break into lots of pieces and you just get a fantastic show as they fall to Earth. Sometimes, if you're fortunate enough to see one of these, you, especially nowadays with security cameras and you get all these serendipitous sightings of the fireball you can track its orbit you can track its path through the atmosphere you can predict where it's going to land and then people can go out and look 
for the bits of rock. So, for example, this has been done places like Canada, where across the country people saw this fantastic fireball in the sky. And then when it had landed, they tracked it down to where it had landed. They went out to look for it. And being Canada... It's full of. It's a land of lakes. All the lakes are frozen, and you just looked at the lakes, and there were almost like just fragments of meteorites scattered all over the ice in these lakes. I mean, that must be so exciting to see those. I was going to ask because you've mentioned we're in the peak of this meteorite shower at the moment. Is there any chance, if I looked really, really hard, that I might find one in the UK? <laughs> I think it would be a very, very long shot. I think you. No, I don't think you've got much chance. And you've got to remember for this particular meteor shower, the Perseids, the, the grains that come in, they're tiny. They're not going to survive to Earth. You need a, a much more sizable lump of rock to be able to get any fragments remaining on Earth. There you have it, Connie. We'll just have to share it. <laughs> anyway, a very happy birthday. And I did indeed make a certificate. It's up on Twitter if you want to see it. Just search for the hashtag Naked Astronomy. And whilst you're at it, I would love it if you could write me a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcasting platform you're using and spread the Naked Astronomy love. As always, a big thank you to Anthony Baggett for composing the theme tune. The programme was produced and presented by myself, Greer Jackson. I'm afraid I won't be back with Naked Astronomy until October, as I'm on Hollybobs for most of September. Sorry. I'll send you a postcard from Normandy to make up for it, though. A bientôt!